I really can't say enough about Boys Noise. Uh, real name, Alex. Uh, he's a very close friend. He's a ridiculously good DJ. He's awesome producer. Over the past 15 years or so, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone else who has made so many killer records. He's worked with everyone from Gonzalez to Frank Ocean. He's had partnerships with Skrillex. Uh, I've made tracks with him. He's done a million sick remixes. And as a DJ, he's just consistently awesome. Uh, he was making giant bangers uh, before that was even really a thing. He was one of the architects of that sound. He's an incredibly sweet guy. We became very good friends over the years. And it was a real pleasure to sit down with somebody who is not at all jaded and is uh, just completely in love with what he does. I hope you enjoy this conversation. We sat down at the end of last year. So this is pre-coronavirus. You can hear it. We're very excited. We're very naive. We're just two friends laughing. I talk a little bit more than normal because I guess we're great friends and I talk over my friends. We managed to talk about Acid, Thomas Bengalter, Theo Paris and uh, what really comes across most is just Alex's love of what he does. It's incredibly refreshing. It really puts a smile on my face. I hope it makes you happy wherever you are today. So here it is, Boys Noise on First and Last Party on Earth. Last, last party on Earth. Last. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to start the clock. Start the clock. Um, hi. Oh. Hi, Alex. <laughs> uh, I am here in Berlin with my good friend Alex, otherwise known as Boys Noise. Over the last, I don't know how long, 15 years or so, you have been, I think I'll say it, you can't say it, I think one of the best DJs in the world, consistently. Uh, <laughs> one of the best producers in the world. You've done a million collaborations, remixes. You've done it all independent, kind of your own style. And uh, I'm very, very happy to have you on Last Party on Earth. Thank you, man. Yeah, it's. Um, I like that podcast. And uh, <laughs> I think it was time. It was time. We talked about it before. It was time. It is time. It's time. Yeah, so we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to jump right into it because um, I got a lot of questions. And... I guess I just want to start by saying I've interviewed a lot of people. Some of them are producers that get into DJing later. Some of them, uh, everyone comes to DJing differently. And some people don't even really consider themselves DJs. First of all, you to me have always been a real DJ. When did you first decide or think to yourself that's something you wanted to do? The first time I thought about that this is going to be the next thing I want to do was when I went to a friend's place, I was about 13 and um, I saw, I saw two turntables and speakers. And I, 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 you know, I love the records from my older brother. I have a nine years older brother and, you know, he got me actually into all the early house records and early rap records. But really, when I saw that setup, I was like, damn, this looks so good. And I spent all night there. And and then I just, you know, started buying records, spend all my money on it. And and then the real, the real, real moment was 
actually on my very first DJ gig. The, the, the proper so you, DJ but gig. You, you, in your mind, wanted to be a DJ from the age of 13. That's when I became Got friends with that idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's then, young. Or, or I mean, it definitely was young yeah, then. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess um, it, it, it all definitely started young because my, my first gig, um, the real, real house club gig. I was, you know, I was sixteen at that time. I was working in a, in a record store, house and techno record store, classic stuff, and my boss you know, gave me that opportunity to be a warm-up DJ for a local house guy, you know, Michi Lange from Peppermint Jam back then. And it happened to be his 30th birthday, and so the whole scene came out. I was the young kid from the record store, and apparently I killed it, you know? <laughs> like, everyone was raving about it. And, you know, I started, you know, classic stuff. You You open the club, no one's there. And you play till like one thirty, maybe two o'clock, and you know I'll play at that time. You play like a lot of deep house, maybe a disco record. Back like so, if anybody doesn't know you or haven't heard you play, I mean you, you are a very energetic, a very powerful DJ. Like you've always been. I mean I know for me and all of our friends, when you first came on the scene, you kind of raised the bar a little bit. Like <laughs> no, you did because you high high energy, technically very, you know fast quick a lot of things happening and loads of energy both physically and in the choice of music in some way we'll get to it later but i think you maybe started edm i don't know i don't know oh, don't, <laughs> don't, don't. okay i'll edit it out i'll edit it out okay not no i don't mean it i don't mean as a style musically but i definitely think well i might not edit out because i definitely think that there was a small period of time i'm jumping ahead where in terms of what was expected how much energy could go down at a party you were definitely one of the first people that raised it up a notch that's all i'm saying and that i think and, and a lot of people got that idea after seeing that oh wait a second it's not just it's not just heads down grooving and two two big moments in a set it, it there's something more powerful so maybe I, let's say that no, instead no, of great. edm yeah but, but there definitely there's a load i think more people than you know that were influenced by a short period of time maybe 2000 whatever that is 2005 or 2006 or something anyway what i wanted to say was when you were 16 years old did you already have some of that energy was it was that already your style i think you know honestly i think my style never changed ever like i i did play different music yeah but the way i dj even though it was a rodec mixer with no effects back then i would take a third or fourth you know turntable to play acapellas or loop records but the the way i i approach you know a mix a night you know back then i i also liked already to mix up styles and not just play the deep house records that were supposed to be played before the main guy and stuff like this but you know i i did have moments of big inspiration of that energy actually and it so was who do you get it from there's two, two, three guys, I have to say. Okay. Uh, number one was Felix the Housecat. Okay, And I cool. was 17, and I opened up for him. 
And you know he didn't know. I, it was just like no, I was a warm up DJ, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He and I, even, you know, I was already a big. He fan didn't of even his... shake your hand. He just like. <laughs> yeah, it was just like <laughs> just... you know, Felix. It was like '99 or 2000 or something like this. But it was a really special time because I mean, you know, I've already been a big fan of you know Afrohead and all his productions. Um, but that time was crazy because he played the white labels of. First of all, his his album that kind of shaped his career, the Kitten in the Glitz oh, yeah. album. So he had all the white labels before it came out. Like Silver Screen Shower Scene, like he played it and it wasn't out yet. And I was... That's a big record. And I was like, what the fuck is this shit? So that was really ins ins inspiring. He did play, you know, I don't know. It was just like the energy he had and he put on that night was giving me a big big um inspiration for like the energy of mm. of a dj set the same i have to mention too many djs yeah well they I they mean, them i mean when i talk to them they not the same time as you but they they definitely like were like that for me like at the beginning we like if i had to play after them or something it was like oh man you know like yeah. they they really i think they might have been the first to take it to like rock yeah. stadium level energy anyway. Yeah. And, and to me, you know, it was so fresh because I haven't heard any DJ that would make it seem so, f so natural to play a Stooges records next to a techno record, you know, I've, I've just, and they played with, with records and they were so fast. And were you up. always into a lot of different styles? Like, were you always yeah. buying all different stuff? Like, I mean, eclectic I mean, taste. You weren't like a techno purist, or no. You know, to be honest, when I started, I was, I was, I wasn't in tech, into techno at all because it was, it was. I was like fifteen and or fourteen or I don't know. At that time, it was late nineties, and even though we were selling like the the record store I worked at. It, for five years it was split between house and techno and you know the other guy selling techno so i was always listening to it but at that time it was schranz yeah, yeah. was was the style and it was super fast so what year is this like 2000 no that was 98 98 99 so that was kind of a dark period a little bit yeah so the techno i didn't like i did like the tribal records at that time you know like Oliver Hole and like that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, you know, Samuel Riggies. Sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was good stuff. Loopy, Loopy. Yeah, a little fast. It was too much, too fast for me to play it with all the other records. So I was, I was pure house, like you know, Theo Parrish. Like I, I loved all the deep house stuff because you know it was like vibey and stuff, and and then all the vocal house that was big in Hamburg. I didn't like that, so I I got attracted more and more into the you know, gigolo records kind of said like electro. Then I, I started to study more about that. And so more and more, I got drifted away from house. Yeah. Cause I never actually made the connection, but it's strange. Cause Hamburg was always known as a house city. Super house. Like Hamburg was pretty chill, certainly in Germany. Yeah. And I never made the connection cause you're from Hamburg and you became known. Certainly your trademark style was much harder. You know. Yeah. 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 So, so there was that. And then I also, I played drums, so I always liked punk records, and I always liked rock stuff. Aggression, yeah, Some. yeah, yeah. And so, so it kind of like when I so when I heard too many DJs, I was like, wow, 
this is this I haven't heard before. Yeah. Like you know, and as a kid, you know, you go to every club all the time. I played a lot, and you you hear a lot, but you know that I didn't. So that was another one, and then and then I heard Richie Horton at that time too, two thousand one, and it was that. Um, remember that mix album he put out? Close to the edit. Some, yeah, it was yeah, close. Yeah. yeah, I think so. The black one. The black it's, one yeah, yeah. where it's him with the glasses with on. Mine is like 200 loops on it or whatever. It's, it's, I don't it's, remember, but it's, it's yeah, yeah. like, it's, it's crazy. It's like, it's tribal, yeah. but then he plays Nitzer app. That's the one that were like the user records. Yeah, user the, yeah, into, yeah. yeah but sick, then mixed with, with EBM and like. Yeah, yeah. That was, for me, that's peak Richie Houghton. Exactly. It's funny, same actually. For same for me. He actually, I might as well say this on air. That's the one, there's a user track where there's a vocal, turn the lights down, 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 down. Yeah, and that's I what it. I copied for that uh, bur London's Burning Down. Oh, sick. In nice. my head. Sorry. Anyway. That's a nice story. Um, so yeah, I heard him play in Cologne at Popcom back then. Doesn't exist oh, in me. Popcom. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and he played with Matthew Johnson. That was sick too. Peak, uh, peak time Matthew Johnson too. Well, between, between Felix, Too Many, and Richie, I can see a lot of different your style is coming together <laughs> just before we so soon we got to jump into the first record your dream opening record of course the idea on this show is you have one party left your dream party your last opportunity don't worry i'm not too strict with the records you choose because it's very difficult before we jump into that i just want to ask you quickly so like now i think probably most people well a lot of people know you as a producer Like you produce for other people, you produce for yourself. You've got side projects with Gonzalez, with Skrillex, with We've Done Records together. When, when did production start for you? And also, do you see yourself first as a DJ or as a producer, or does it not matter? I, I, to answer the the, the very la last one, I, I I do see myself as a DJ first. Mm. It's still ground for the root for everything the source of your power the source of my power exactly <laughs> thank you for saying that it's really true and 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 i've I, you know it's just you know my dream came true and 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 yeah and because of that i started to make records that i can play and and also when i started to make records i wanted to make records that that I wouldn't find in the record store yeah. because I was still working at the record store. And I'm, I, I always thought, why should I make a record that already exists? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's... No, 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 I, I know. It's nearly impossible. Well, it's an illusion, but, but it's still what motivates you. you know? Exactly, it's a, and it's still till today the same thing. I'm like, man, even though you, you, you figure out how people make records and, you know, what they use and machines and all that... But still, to me, it's like, why would I make a techno record when there's a million amazing techno records? Yeah. Why would I make a house record? And I think that's why like, my early productions didn't quite represent me as a DJ, weirdly. Mm. But it was still the music I would play. It's, yeah. it's a really strange connection but with this me is, but as this a is producer. Very, this is actually really important. And I feel like you're one of the only people in the world that I can talk to who has had a similar path to what I've gone through in a way, which is the source of your power is DJing. So your ideas, your understanding of what works comes from DJing. Then you try to make records to, to play basically. But like you said, you're trying to also make records that aren't already out there and are a little different. 
But then you end up in this strange situation where you're making records that don't actually totally fit. Mm -hmm. And then you're, I don't know how to express a little bit, but I guess the simple way to put it is you end up in some weird kind of strange territory sometimes and yeah. definitely a bit alone mm -hmm. if that makes sense oh, like totally. like it's not <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> no because it, it well it's a beautiful it's amazing i mean i think as an artist probably it's what you really want but it is also not easy especially let's say when you get into the techno world like like techno house trance these things are so scene oriented yeah. and there's so like so little gatekeepers groups, as well gatekeepers, and they're quite conservative mm -hmm. so somebody like you you know you make records that even though you know they might work in certain styles but they're not technically techno and anyway so yeah, I, I, mean, I, I sympathize I, I spend, and i understand i spent many years and that was one thing always for me is like no but you know like i can also do this like yeah. and i've had this for many many years well you always got you get judged by the you know like everybody these first this first set of crazy yeah very powerful like heavy metal style techno <laughs> well that you know that's just it like you and also you were very young yeah so there's this and even your name you know yeah like, <laughs> i have to, I never thought i gotta about tell that. everybody out there that when for me alex like you're for me for too many for all of us like you're always the kid Like you were always, you were the young guy, yeah, you know, yeah. but you're still the young guy. I still guy. feel like You're that. still the young guy. <laughs> I want to ask you a quick question. When your production style is so connected to your DJing and your understanding of DJing, what would happen one day when you're not DJing? How do you make, do you, do you ever think, you know, I guess you're already doing that now, the transition, if you do a Frank Ocean record, obviously it's not a DJ record, but do you ever think like, in this exercise when you one day you don't dj anymore how does that affect the decisions you make in studio i probably would just consider making less club records you know i mean i think you know for me it's been always easy to arrange records and therefore finish them but you know Yeah, having having the club in mind and having having in mind to you know make a banger for for the sets is a different mindset than than making other type of music. But to be honest with you, there's been already many years where I have no clue what I'm gonna do musically yeah. when I'm in the studio. <laughs> Honestly, like oh, I know, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, the last two, three days, I, I, I understand. I know, and, and I appreciate it, and I and feel that's my way. Like even though that's I have, the secret that no one knows. We're going to tell everyone right now. I've I've no idea what music I'm making. I have no clue. And I love that, you know, I have, I have, thank God, a lot of tools that make it more easier for me. But, you know, especially now with like the module, modular world is a good example where you, you know, I know the sound's going to be dope. I have no idea when I, where I'm going to end up and, and, and I'll let that happen. And then, well, I think what's really cool, we just spent a few days in the studio, but I always know this about you. I like the fact, like, you don't know what's going to happen, but you're pretty chill with it. Yeah. With but that's very important. Yeah. You're no because like I don't know what's going to happen but I'm not as chill with it. I can't. I'm a bit but it's a very it's a good thing. We better jump into okay, so last party ever. It's I these are impossible questions, but you have to choose an opening record. Mhm. Mm yeah, what, I did make my mind about it and I have to say it's still, you know, a little random, but I'd pick Max Berlin Ella et moi just because 
It's a, it's a fantastic record. Thank you. I um, yeah, I wish I made it. Uh, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but you know, it's just uh, like listen to it. It's just like it sets the vibe. And I did play it. I did play a uh, all night set in Paris. Was this uh, the all night wedding? That wasn't the all night wedding, but there was a few wedding parties where I didn't play it. But I remember playing this, and I picked it because I was like, you know, it's a vibe. Like it's it sets a good mood. I don't know much saying. about it actually. I I play that one. T- I don't know anything about it. I th- I don't know. I mean, I assume it's French because yeah, it's, it's Alemoa. But um, yeah. and I know Joachim did an edit of it a little while back. So how? Well, we were joking before because you were taking these out of a wedding playlist. <laughs> so we were going to do the wedding edition. This is kind of Alex's guide to a wedding. This works wedding or panorama bar, right? Or where did you yeah. say you just played it in Paris? I played it at the Nuit Fauve. Oh, uh, Nuit Like yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. It's actually a bigger warehouse kind of thing. And yeah, I started at, I think I started at midnight and then that was the first record. Well, for your final party ever, how long a set would you want to play? I would probably play long because I, you know, when I, when I have fun, um, I just want to keep showing you my, my records that I like and, and keep the vibe. And it's, so I, it'd be probably like maybe eight hours. That's you, when I feel um, like you love DJing. I know you love DJing. I've, I, it's, like you don't yeah, even, I've seen, life, I've seen you sure. DJ a million times. You pretty much, I've never seen you like, <laughs> I've really never seen you like not care or complaining or it's pretty amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I have I'm, to say a lot of people <laughs> are not exactly the same. They should be. I mean, everyone should be. It's amazing. Yeah. And, but uh, I think there's a few different kinds of DJs. Some like DJs are more just about the technical, about just, you know, layering and textures, whatever. There's some DJs that are more about a real power hour, like a, a specific moment and then i think i'm definitely in this category where it's really about how much you love your records when you have loads of records you love that's all you want to do is play them mm-hmm. when you don't have as many you like you <laughs> that's where you run into problems <laughs> um okay so that's your opening record well since we already talked about length of time how often do you play long parties now um it's it's almost like um you know the the regular is two hours three hours i usually Mm -hmm. play three hours because two hours is still kind of short um and i like to build up my set and you know i like both too i like the i like the power hour but i I also you know when i get into let's say like a tribal area or something like this for an hour i love these long mixes too and have two records playing at the same time and you know i it really depends on 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 the styles and stuff, but do you ever get nervous for shows now? Yes, I do. What, what determine what show do you get nervous for? It was funny because I, I I actually never get nervous, even if it's like a big place. Um, but I just this year I I haven't played that much, definitely less, more or less. And uh, I just played ADE in Amsterdam, and it was this beautiful old museum, 8.30 in the evening. So, you know, actually weird because it was this corporate event, and you actually know the people are going to be, you know, whatever. The sound's probably going to be shit. It's corporate. It's corporate. You know, I just didn't play 
the weeks before and I had a folder with all new music and it was filmed. And so I was, Uh-oh. that made me nervous. Isn't it crazy how you can DJ like 2000 shows and then as soon as you take two weeks off, it's like you're back at the beginning again? Yeah, That's and a- it's, it's, it's basically every two weeks because I, I renew my folder of new music. And whenever there's new music that I haven't played, maybe that makes you a yeah. little more nervous. But I'd say... I, I don't get nervous. No. If generally, I don't get nervous because, you know... How... Yeah. 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 Well, you it's know. good. I actually... When I do... I don't get nervous much anymore. And when I get nervous, it has no connection to what, what other saying. people think yeah, would make you nervous. It's just like so sometimes weird. it's like 50,000 people and you're 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 looking at your phone before or whatever. But then for... But then there's other... For some reason, sometimes whatever, you know... But anyway, I think it's nice when you still get nervous. I like. I like feeling. it too. I like that feeling too. I, I don't too. like it when I'm nervous, but it it just I don't know. It just reminds me of. It's a good thing if you're still getting nervous. How uh, so? When you get back to the hotel at night, like, what percentage of the time do you feel like you killed it? Like, were you yourself? You're like yes. Um. Maybe fifty percent. Wow. Yeah, I have. Uh, You're my hero. Thank you. Yeah, I have. Fifty percent. I just had an amazing set again at uh, Blitz Munich last weekend. That was the day after ADE. Uh, How it was like all new? A lot of new records that I played. I I started with a new record that I never That's would play. That's always the best. And it was. I started. I the, the DJ before me kept it on one thirty four. You know, everybody's playing fast at the moment. And I was like, I actually don't play that fast. But that night I was like, you know what? I'll I'll keep going. And then I slowly slowed it down towards the next two, three hours. But that was the best decision. And I really, that old school, like, no fucking clue what I'm going to play. I had my folders with the records that, you know, I selected where... 80% 80% I'd never played. I don't know and what I it is. I had the best set. It I just know exactly. fitted so well and it felt so great. You know what's so crazy? Sometimes later on, I'll see a set on Rekordbox. Everybody out there, Rekordbox is like DJ software and you could see afterwards what you played. And you know, there's the, the play count where it shows how many times you've played the tracks. And when I see a lot of ones, it's always the best set. Like, I don't know what it is, <laughs> yeah. something, but I think that's just excitement. I think and it's then, just, I, I, but then there's the ones where it's like, 220, <laughs> 89, yeah. 130. Again, you weren't excited because you heard the records You've already so many times. You exactly. should not play anymore. No. Because because that's really, to me, the excitement and why I still love DJing is, and that's 100% being honest, is playing new music that you like. Okay, but this is, this is the million dollar question. Yeah. For you and for me. It's not the same question for Gerd Jansen or for, but for us, no, because you have you have all these hits, okay? Yeah, you, I, I'm not playing that shit. What are you saying? Like, well, no, okay. Yeah, I, okay. I'm saying what I'm saying is it is more complicated when you have hits mm-hmm. that people expect. Some people expect it. Some people want to hear it. Some people sometimes you're booked because of those records. Yeah. What I'm saying is I'm I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm saying there's an added layer of complexity. When yep. you're a DJ who and you also has records. 10, 20, or sure. five, whatever records. And how you deal with that... I'll, I'll tell you. ...is 
like I'm just saying I'm not whatever I'm not crying like we have like I have some sad situation <laughs> but but I'm saying that in terms of the art of DJing it's a very different situation yeah, yeah, yeah. to what Derek sure. May had to do for sure you know? for sure and and it's a new not new but it's something that like okay how do you deal with the situation so usually I don't care because step one I don't care either yeah step one <laughs> I step two. Step, step one, two, don't care. Step two. Step two is you have to difference the situation, right? So am I playing one hour on a main stage on a festival? Yeah. And maybe it's and then also is it a techno festival or is it a more indie festival, which I've done a lot as well. Mm-hmm. That's when then, you, that's when you bust out the hits. That's when I'd be like, okay. This seems like really they come for my music, you yes. know? It's a little concert. So I would give them a little more. But that's basically the only one from the, you know, 10% from 100%, mm-hmm. I'd say. Because usually, and that's my natural thing, I don't play anything that's out already for myself. I do play you won't unreleased play, stuff. You won't play old. You're, you won't. I would never play an old record from Oi Oi or wow. Power. I, you can ask probably any guest. They I, all I are you. not satisfied at all. And they all wish I would do it. And I would probably do a tour like you. I like this when you did the one one night Tiga music only. Yeah, yeah. That, that I might that do good, like, you know, when I, I really say, that don't was, get that anymore. That worked so well. <laughs> I did it once and it worked. I did it once in London and it yeah, actually, yeah, I saw that. it worked so well. It's, it's it, and it, liberating. It's, it's, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, so yeah, liberating yeah. for me. It was like, anyway. It's fun. Um, yeah, so, so the natural me is I don't play my music um, too often. I mean, there, there are a few ones that sneak back in time because they're just really good tool records. That's another thing yeah, too. The like, tools are different than the... Then the tools have a longer lifespan. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and, but yeah. this is okay, this is the real one billion dollar okay. question. <laughs> so you Getting say rich. you worked out a formula, right? Step one, you don't care. Step two, you evaluate the party. So the one hour festival set, they get some hits. This five hour club show in Spain, they get the the raw new shit, whatever. Here's my question for you. How how well do you think the formula has worked? for your career like out of a scale of one to ten mm-hmm. like because we all say we don't care yeah but still we we care we, of care, and, we care and still you I, want you want something that gets you more opportunity I mean, so i will say for example for me this is a world exclusive i would say the biggest the only regret i have in my whole career the only thing i think i was not didn't totally nail is this what we're talking yeah. about i don't think i ever really mm-hmm. figured it out. You know, there were times Same. I was booked for some massive festival in Russia and <laughs> paying me loads of money and they're all there. It's obvious they want to hear you going to want me. And I come out and play, you know, some weird trippy, like right. why? N- they're yeah. not happy. I'm not really happy. Right, right. It, you're not really an entertainer. You're, yeah, you're, you're yeah. getting something wrong. You, to me, you, it always seemed like you got it pretty right, the balance. How do you feel? I feel I feel good. I'm I'm also I've, at this point I think that um people figured that out that you know they come to see me play new shit and and stuff and you know I'm 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 not one of those DJs that protects a certain style or whatever you know I do 
I do think it's important to play new music, but at the end, I also really care about the party. So, you know, I like to give them a little... I got news for you. You do yeah. care, actually. <laughs> yeah, so, you I know, know guys that don't care, yeah, and you're so, not one you of know, them. I, 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 it's important to me to... Everybody leaves the room with a happy face. You know, that's... Rather than being educated. Yeah, nobody. You know? Yeah, fuck that. I keep saying it, but whatever. I think for a lot of people, myself included, you are very good at at high energy, at, at powerful stuff. Whether like you make big records, you're good at playing big records, and you're good as a as a as a high impact DJ. That's and, fine with yeah, me. Yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. <laughs> no, but <laughs> No, I just mean, anyway, I'm just saying that as a lead up to yeah. at your final party yeah. by your own, you know, what is your, what is a peak time record? I know it's a difficult question. What is a peak time record for you? Peak time is uh, something banging for sure. You know, to me, Thomas Bangalter's releases on Roulet back, you know, in the 90s, they yes they just they just have have exactly Everything. what i can dream of what is the perfect blend of house and techno and bangers and I energy agree. and it throughout me as a dj and a producer i always go back to these records as a reference of he got it right he got it so right still raw you know nothing overthought if it's so flawless so so yeah outrun by thomas bengalta um that one came on tracks on the rocks volume one i think yeah that's i remember the day i bought i bought the record it was one of my first as well yeah it gives me chills man like like these releases really inspired me so much and it's crazy i mean I'd be curious how often that got played in the last 20 years. I mean, fuck. So, yeah, so that's Outrun by Thomas Bengalter from Tracks on the Rock. So, obviously, half a Daft Punk. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to add. Outrun is, for me, same thing. It's just like the holy grail. and It's, it's crazy. And the thing that's crazy, I think, this is something not everyone knows. I mean, I, I think, so we all get into studio all the time. And like you said, you don't really know. Sometimes you... Hey, let's make an acid record or let's, but basically we're all rolling the dice and we're all trying our best. And, and in a way you're trying to hit this, this special, special area of like raw, but it works at all parties, you know, a bit of reference to the past, but totally looking forward, mm -hmm. you know, and just, and fun, but not stupid and goofy, you know, like yeah, all these, yeah. all these hard things that push and pull and Usually Daft Punk or Thomas nailed it. Nailed I mean, in it. some yeah. way or other, he just yeah. nailed it. And I, I think it's an amazing choice. I want to just use that to talk a little bit about studio, about the about the, the search <laughs> and just talk and try to do some whatever. Anyway, I want to ask you, because this is something that's coming up a lot with me, but the Bengalter, the Tracks on the Rock is a, is a good example for me. So, you know, Bengalter obviously you know, he's heavily influenced by Chicago. The, mm -hmm. the, you know, you can hear... Oh, you can, I you can, can hear what's you going on. You can hear all the references. Yeah. And yet, it doesn't sound like any of exactly. them. And actually, you could argue, he took it forward. I mean, I you agree. know, he and, and it's the same it's, with Daft Punk. Like, yeah. that's what I didn't like about the new Daft Punk record. It was like trying to make old disco, but the yeah. old Daft Punk stuff took disco and made it new. Yeah. The point is, when you go into studio, how, what do you feel about this balance between... 
I guess just the it's, search it's, for the new. Yeah, you know, I mean, how do you, I, how do you, you find it. that balance? You, you just said it. I think, you know, uh, making, making house and techno, pff, come on, man. Everything, it is true. Everything has been done, basically. Like the best records, we are looking always back, you know. But, you know, it's still, there's an excitement because... <laughs> now I'm gonna sound like Richie Horton to the technology. Uh oh, <laughs> no, no, and future in techno. No, but okay, it's really you true can talk about future. Yeah. There's no technology allowed on this on this show. <laughs> <laughs> We're a technology free zone. Okay, uh, you get 30 seconds. Technology, go. I think you know, but you know, as you said about the the Bangalore record, you know, it is it is. That should be that should be everyone's approach, you know. Like because do you again, think it is everyone's approach? Honestly, I think a lot. I mean, right like you now, you know, lots of people. You you sit down in rooms with loads of people. We hear lots of stuff. Do you think everyone is still banging their head against the wall like we are trying? Even if we're deluded, it doesn't matter. Do you think everyone is really trying to look forward, or do you think some people are just satisfied to make another version of something? Yeah, I think it's always been. A split between let's say every year you find five to ten guys that are really trying and they are doing something fresh and every year you hear something fresh or at least like you know that what we said yeah, like a new the, version. the right the, the thomas bangalta way like mm. you hear the inspirations but with it's, a twist it's a twist there's something really interesting about it and and i find those records but the sad truth is I don't know how many tracks are released on, let's say, Beatport, 20,000 a week. I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people uh, are not trying, for sure. They are. They have different approaches. They are like, I like this record, I'm going to try to make this record. They hear something, they know, oh, techno's hip, let's try and make techno. Oh, and then it's their version of techno, which to us is then whatever. But, you know, the majority... Unfortunately, are not trying, but there are definitely a lot of people trying. And I guess you have to just those, assume. You know? I guess it's safe safe to assume everyone is kind of trying. Just not everyone can do it. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just <laughs> or, there's, or, a, or there's a lot of bad music out there. Exactly, we can say exactly, it. I mean, you exactly. know, working in rec. I mean, you. It's you go true. On a working record in a record store. store right? Yeah, it's the same thing. You go on a record store. You listen to a hundred record. You buy five. Yes. You know and. And that always depends on, you know, who you are and what type of DJ and are you a producer or not? Do you know sounds? Do you know how 808 sounds or not? I that guess might that's define your selection. I guess that 5% rule probably has been the same forever. Forever. Always forever. I don't think, I mean, you know. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. It's just always been the same. Don't, don't get too, anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, before we, because we're doing such a good job being like optimistic yeah, and, ex and excited. What is so you've made loads of records, you're pretty prolific. Uh, I know it's hard. I asked you to choose one, like your, I guess, your favorite or one that you really think you know either has a special place for you, whatever, and of your own productions or your own remixes. You had a hard time choosing, so yeah, you said because, I could because you said I, I could choose, yeah, you, you should choose it because I. I think I never nailed it. That's the thing. Like I, but think, that's a good thing. That's how I feel too. I, I feel, feel like, I haven't made the music that I want to make yet. In a way, in a weird way, you know. Like I make the tracks. I totally and I'm, know what you. I feel. like him. I know. 
But that's weird to me that you never, because I have a few for me. There's a couple of my own where just personally, I do feel like, yes, like I nailed it a couple of times out yeah, of a yeah, hundred or two, you know. There, yeah. So anyway, for you, well, I like, I always loved, I have two in my mind for you for different reasons. I like 1010. Good choice. 1010, I think what I think is really cool about 1010 is you can't say it. Well, I, I can say it. So acid to me is like almost like a no-go zone. Acid mm-hmm. is such is something that really was done so perfectly mm-hmm. so many years ago with so much feeling. And it's the thing that is most repeated in the most bullshit way. Like yeah. it's really like, you know, even the names, acid attack. Like it's just the most boring, obvious cruise ship, sad imitation generally. Mm-hmm. 1010, so that's why. So when you do a new acid record, actually... It's, it's dangerous. It's like the stakes mm-hmm. are high. And I always thought 1010 was super cool because it was actually kind of a new style acid record, or at least it sounded like that. Mm-hmm. I just always thought it was like, it had huge impact. It wasn't traditional in its programming. It went a little bit into weird territory and it was an acid record. And I think to make any kind of different acid record in the last 10 years is a, is an it's accomplishment. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that too. Um, You're like, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, with acid, as you say, you know, like it's, I mean, there's there's different types of acid. You can always, you know, put it in different, you know, styles and stuff. But in the end, it's all about the, 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 the acid line and the, I don't know. But yeah, I like that record. Um, t- it's called 1010 because I used the 707, my, uh, my pimped one and the 303. Plus, you know, another... And it's and it sounds huge. Drum. <laughs> it sounds huge. It's, it's a very Thank big you. record. Thank you. The other one, too, like, I don't know, I didn't say this to you before, and I hope it doesn't surprise you or whatever. I'm not saying it's the greatest record in the world, but I always thought that your Feist remix, My Moon, My Man, uh, I thought it was a fantastic record. But the reason why I wanted to mention it is because I also thought that, um, yeah, just kind of your more romantic side you know like your the side of you to apply some of your same your same skills and your same your same production techniques and it's almost like soft power you know which i think which i actually is something i really love and i think it's really cool and there's i think there was a few years there some of your remixes there were other people too doing a bit like that where you know you take a pop song and a vocal Mm -hmm. and it it's an interesting mix and i always thought that one was really beautiful and yeah, quite powerful and and nice. Yeah, I like that too. And it was it was cool because it came out in I don't know oh six oh seven. Oh gosh, I don't remember. And um, you know, it came right around my Oi Oi album, which was you know, as you say, like punk techno or something like this. And so it was nice to sh- you know do this. To me, it's a it's a disco record, straight up mm. disco. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, many people don't probably know I'm a you know I've I have a huge disco collection and mm. I love house music, so it's it was kind of like to show kind of like that side, but it was also the natural feeling I had when I did the the remix, and it was cool because at that time it was really inspiring and fresh to take a record that has nothing to do exactly. with club music exactly. and bring it to the club. Yeah. To me, that was the most beautiful thing. And that's why I did so many remixes at that time. What's cool is when you look back now, in a lot of ways, that was the beginning yeah. of pop 
meeting kind of experimental dance music and just different the, the, techniques. The, the, there and wasn't stuff. many so now indie it records. That's what I mean. Gone now it doesn't club. seem like any big deal. Yeah. But if you listen back to that record now, I mean, now you turn on the radio. Obviously, everything is electronic, and with the exception of yeah, I mean, there was like Madonna doing stuff with William Orbit, right, and there was. Right. I mean, it always had existed, but there was something about that period, and that's why that mix for me is a very, very good example. Of, it became the number one thing for any label putting out a band's record to get a club re remix at some point for sure, and it wasn't. It wasn't as an. But it wasn't only club. That's the difference because before that, all through the '90s, obviously everyone gets a, a, a Roger Sanchez mix or a Def mix. This was something a little different. It was closer, I think, to production. It was closer to as if they were saying, "Hey, what would this folk song sound like if it was produced by a young electronic guy?" You know. Anyway. I always liked it. Uh, I want to ask you a question about uh, Berlin. Uh, you live in Berlin now. And about maybe, yeah. So Berlin is so Berlin. You know, it's such a scene. It always has been very much a techno city. And whether it's in the old days with Trezor and Ewerk and all those places or Love Parade or maybe or more recently with Bergheim and Panorama, it's always had like, you know, it's local heroes. You're not totally, you were never really in that. Being a German techno DJ and someone who loves techno and has all those things, how did it feel or how does it feel living in Berlin and not being, let's say, a Bergheim regular or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, like, is it something you ever thought about? Is it something you ever wanted No, I was always, I mean, you know, I played at Berkheim a few times, but it was never, I never needed it to be, you know, approved or something like Because this. obviously a lot of people, that's all they want. Yeah, it's strange to me. I mean, I came to Berlin the first uh, time as a raver. I was I was 12 and I took 12? the bus from Hamburg. It's a three hours ride back then. Yeah, I want to hear this love parade story properly. I think it was 95 or 96 and my friend had moved here from Hamburg. He moved to Berlin and so I visited him quite often. And yeah, and then there was the laugh parade and you know, first uh, first tastes of uh, whatever things. Life. Of life. And those moments and I, and I went there basically almost every year after. So 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Don't remember 2000. I think that's when I didn't go. But those years and being at the Love Parade, listening to West Bam and DJ Hell and, you know, raving behind the trucks and, you know, all of that. Best thing ever. Yeah, that really had had a big impact to me, like, for a I lot of things. For a lot of, I was really young, yeah. Is there a moment where, like, When maybe I, 13 I okay, don't know 13 don't worry I won't I won't <laughs> for me so I similar story I guess I went to Love Parade I think in 93 I think I was 17 or no no I was 18 or something and same thing I'm in world it's just crazy world, when, my world upside down and uh sorry you're saying it's no it's I mean it just bl I blow, blows my mind when when a million people come together and celebrate love and peace and you know unity through techno music it's just incredible and you know now thinking back how is this possible without social media you know like there's no internet there's no i mean 
Um, yeah, internet. There was internet actually, but you know, no. it's just crazy. No, when I was, there was yeah, no I mean, internet. I didn't have internet. Well, maybe if you were like a scientist, or something, <laughs> yeah, exactly, or some kind um, of university yeah, so nerd. It's like it's pretty fascinating. And then you know, at that time, you know, you watch these DJs doing interviews on the major channels and television, and talking about how techno is influencing the world and the culture. It was the system and all of that. Yeah, we talked about. This. I think that's a big difference. So, like, you know, it was culturally. It was a real thing so fast. So I went to Love Parade, I think, first time in 93. And yeah, I mean, that's completely revolutionized my whole existence. And that's it. I was like, okay, I'm, my dream is to be part of this, whatever. And then I remember, so years later, probably the, one of my biggest personal career moments was, I think, in 2001. After Sunglasses at Night, I got invited by the promoters who had done Evirk and then they were now doing a different club called Palatifal. Yeah. And I they invited there. me back to play at the new Evirk, like a reopening. Uh -huh. Yeah. I remember that. So for me, a game over, like that was all I had you ever wanted in life. Place, yeah. I came back like a, like a prince, you know, whatever it was eight years later, you know, like I'm a man now and I have a record. And so, but that was one of the, probably the biggest moment in my life where I felt like I had achieved something. For you, is there something you remember, you know, a moment, like you said, you love, you watched West Bam or DJ Hell. Is there a moment in your mind where you felt like, okay, I'm part of the club. Like I, I, I am now one of them or they accept me or, you know, just that nice feeling. Sometimes mm -hmm. even just, sometimes it's even just hearing somebody played your record, you know, it, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. it can be something small, but is there something you remember? I think there, there are a few of those moments for sure. And as you say, you know, it can be someone like, I remember getting the, when I started my label, <laughs> the, the first DJ feedbacks <laughs> came by fax. You're like standing by the fax machine. No, it was a distributor and he would forward me the fax as well. But um, yeah, like DJ feedback from like Laurent Gagné, you know, or knowing that someone called Errol Alcon who's raving about that stuff in London and then you know so so those were the first where I was like wow this this worked out like I didn't have to promote shit because that's what I loved in the beginning too is like no one knows who makes those records yeah. like you know when I bought buy records I just love the fact that you have no name, no face, no nothing attached to it. You just buy it because of that. And when I started my label, that was my only dream to be anonymous, this guy that makes those records that's, you know, and, and they get they get support out there. So that was one of the first things for sure. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a few gigs. I mean, I guess the first time Berghain, like, five six years ago something like this um also you know in 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 germany th the press never liked my music forever it was really strange i mean i understand it because you know there was when i started releasing my stuff you know electro clash just faded and minimal was the sound and I don't know, they had alter ego, you know, so I wasn't really... But I think there's also something, there's something about you and your sound that's not typical German in a lot of ways. That's a separate yeah, discussion. I, I mean, But yeah. you know I mean that there's just, there's something about it that's a little more forward and kind of open and fun. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that's, it's definitely not this, 
There's yeah, I wouldn't very, say so either. It's not this very serious, this is how we do it. And Yeah, I wouldn't put a country to it either. Um, but yeah, so so getting getting the first props, I think that was with the second album from Germany, like from like, you know, the... Finally. Give it yeah, up, give yeah, it up, Germans. Yeah, and then, you know, but I knew I already had support from like the local friends, like, you know, like Mode Selector or Apparat. They were fucking with my sound, but... You know, I mean, there's so many, so many techno guys here. <laughs> did it? <laughs> but, but yeah, that's when but I did also it ever bother like, you? Did it ever bother you? Uh, no, I, I, I gladly accepted the that I'm not accepted really early because you know I knew I, I like it. like I, I loved it. Yeah, I, because I always got beaten up by the press. Yeah, and it just made me. Yeah, I guess you never resistant against it. It's good and for it to happen really early. It's really good for early. it to happen early. Like it's yeah. good that you don't, you don't, so you just don't expect. Yeah, and and that's why I'm like, you know, I can never make it right for the people. You know, I will always, and that sort of gave me freedom again. You know that that made me free deciding. I just don't give a fuck. mentioned like you know that you grew up with this culture and all you wanted was to be this like anonymous techno dj <laughs> with your underground label and no no but this is real because yeah. see how i see it is we because so let's call that the techno dream right mm -hmm. because actually i had the same dream right mm -hmm. i i wanted to be like jeff mills i wanted all that stuff mm -hmm. i didn't want to be Eric Murillo and I didn't want to be a <laughs> yeah. pop star. I yeah, wanted yeah, these yeah. things and yeah. I was and it was informed by Love Parade and it was a style and it was that kind of always was the value system mm -hmm. I had. As things started to move forward especially like with social media blah, blah, sometimes I feel that like am I poisoned mm -hmm. by this value system? Does it does it now I don't know if hold me back is the right thing but I sometimes think like, whoa, like people just have different rules. People are you know looking what? for a different, it's like a different set of rules about what you do totally. and what you don't do. And I'm asking you as somebody who now has toured the world, been big in the States, you know, you do shows with Skrillex, you've tasted all these other things. How do you feel that techno dream has served you, you know? I mean, I'm the luckiest man on earth for sure. I'm, you know, what, but what, what I wanted to say is, I think, as you said, you know, things, you know, change with, you know, all internet and all this shit. I think what is important is also to, we uh, evolve as humans, you know, we, we, we learn and we, you know, and I think it's always also important to remind ourselves just as much as you remind yourself to what you love and where your heart is and make those decisions generally. But also at the same time, I never wanted to be the old techno DJ that is always saying that everything was better. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I never like, because very, I was that's the very, youngest. Very good point. Yeah. And because I was the youngest for a long time. <laughs> I mean, a lot <laughs> of worry, us still, were the youngest. You're still the youngest in this room. But, you know, I, I, I saw, you know, 
some I wouldn't I wouldn't say any names, but I saw some people that I really admired and what they produced or what they played or what they said. And you know, ten years go by and it's just not the same anymore. And I told myself, I don't want to be that guy. Like, I I want to stay open minded and I want to keep fucking shit up for the people. And that that was one one attempt with with my friend Sonny Skrillex. You know, like when we did our first record in 2012, the whole not the whole world, but you know, the scene definitely didn't fuck with him you know like i knew that i'm gonna mess it up for a lot of things maybe i'll mess up my career i don't know but i was i was at the same time it was so exciting to try and make something and by the way i did already i like his energy i liked his yeah, energy of course you know it was it was you know it wasn't my sound exactly, but it was the energy and uh, and he's a, he's and an he's amazing a super producer nice he's a, and he and he made amazing records exactly and, exactly. and I, I did learn you know from him as well. There was this excitement of how can we make something that you know just sounds dope and people can't say shit about it anymore. You know, so I love yeah, I love that idea. And that's always my approach with anything basically. It's always nice to like But I think it's really important what you said is see that's that's part of the techno thing is that you got to take the good parts of techno, but techno has, has always had this danger of oh, getting yeah. close-minded. It's always had yeah. that side of it and that I never... actually so it's this weird thing where techno always started about future and open minded and, and it always but it can twist into conservative and and rule like ridiculously and, and yeah. it's and it's a strange phenomenon i don't know enough about other genres but techno is bad for that what people don't always understand is, is like almost everyone that makes dope records they're there's something cool there. There's something like once you get to know them, whatever, there's something there. Mm -hmm. If you work together, yeah. even if you don't love the music, even if it's not your exact aesthetic, there's something to be built. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Again, try to do something different, try to do something new in a, in a, in a way, you know, and that's, it's the unsafe territory. Yeah. I have to do it. You have to do it. I have to do it's it too. It's too safe to be safe. You know, it's like, <laughs> Some of the real techno guys that I love, I've always respected. Oh, I do. Their focus. I mean, I've always respected. Robert Hood killing it forever with the fucking same four machine. He exactly. Uses There's a lot a way, of guys you know, I like, love, and even when I hear them play, I love that yeah. they can do this level thing. Yeah, I, but I can't it's, really it's relate yeah. because I can't just. Anyway, <laughs> I don't have the. But maybe I just, I just don't have the patience. I don't know. I'm too all it's, over the it's, place it's, it's we're all different people we all have different characters we all grown up maybe different but so so that's why we feel so different about these things um one i want to ask you quickly about like the idea of being independent so i guess that you know you have your own label you've you've just always done it your own way like yeah. you know with your own little team and your own i mean you just love it that way right yeah fuck the system man <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is tempting to That's think... That's what I mean. Like, do you ever... Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, I can't escape those thoughts, you know. I, of course, I think, what if... You know, what if I was sponsored by Chevrolet? Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so hard. I mean, it goes... It, we can go deep here, right? We can go really deep here. But to make things really easy is... Um, yeah, I also... 
like to have full control about my about the decisions being made about the music because you know my music isn't for everybody so why why would i go with a label that tries to make it for everybody when it's you know even though you might say something else about my new record you know even though other friends of mine might say something else I think, um, yeah, to me, it was always important to not mess with any creative decision. And I had to be always the, the last guy to make those decisions. I mean, decisions. that can be good and bad. I it think, can be good and bad. I, think, We, I, I said to you yesterday, like, I wish I had an A&R that I can trust, that couldn't tell me. Yeah, or someone that yeah, pushes like me, you. Like me or, as an you know, <laughs> wish there's two of you. Yeah, exactly. Another one of you. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and and yeah, it's 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 I mean, I'm I'm so grateful and so thankful that, you know, it took me where I am. It's kind of incredible to be honest. And I think also like I'm the same. I think when you've I think when you've been just independent since you're a kid basically, it's the same for me. I think after a certain point there's nothing else for you because yeah. you just you don't even I don't even think I I don't even know what it would be like. Yeah, for someone else to have some kind of, you know. Yeah, anyway. and you always hear scary stories. So I'm, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, in the end, it's all about money, right? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, no, it is really. <laughs> What are you well, talking about, <laughs> <laughs> Alex? It's really. Yeah, and, and it's the end of the know, interview. It's never that's been, the last. Uh, yeah, and, that's how your interview ends. I mean, it's all about money. It's all about money if you decide. I know, you know I'm, te I'm teasing. That's the thing. So, you know, it's never been attracting to me. Yeah, it's not. Even if I don't, I'd be happy. You know, that's the thing. I'm, I'm like. Yeah, but that's also, that's also a personality thing. That's how you. Like, I think so, yeah. You're for really sure. like that. Like, you're actually. Okay, I'm not. You're definitely not a hippie, but you're. I you, will DJ when I'm 70. That I know. For free you're going to be DJing anywhere. forever. Yeah. And I know that. And. <laughs> And also, too, you are, you're, I know some people like that, you're genuinely not motivated by cash. You know, it's just not your, that's not your thing. I mean, it's a luxury now that I've, I've seen made you, cash. I've seen you try and you can't even. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've yeah, seen you, you tried, you bought a watch once. Yeah. You can't even keep it up. No, no. You need not. lessons. Yeah. You need capitalist <laughs> oh lessons. Um, so what, what, a, okay, so what's your, Closing record. Closing record. Um, did we do all? Yeah. Uh, did we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, what's your closing um, record? I would... Oh, no, no, sorry. We wanted to do a record you've always wanted to play, but you haven't, or you haven't been right. able to, or something that you want to play. I mean, this is one record by Theo Parrish that I did play a lot in my early days as a warm-up DJ. I did put it in my first Essential Mix 2009 It's Lakeshore Drive. It was the B2, <laughs> the, the good old B2 track. We got a lot of B2s. On um, Sound Signature. And it's just, I love that vibe so much. And he's just like, it's so raw. And he's like fading in and out his his drum machine. It's, it's so raw. But that one, yeah, I don't get to play this a lot because the style, it just doesn't fit in so many records that I play at the moment. If I would do a long set, you know? I'd be basically, you feel you don't get the opportunity that much to play that kind of deep record. Yeah, it's it's also, it doesn't sound really good. <laughs> But, I mean, 
No, it's just um, yeah, yeah. It's just the style. It's more like a deeper house record, you know. And I don't really play deep house in my. Sense. If there was some, <laughs> if there was one thing you could like magically change about your career, or like opportunities, whatever, what would it be? Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't regret anything, honestly. I mean, there, there are definitely things. I don't know. Maybe a gig here and there, less. And a gig then, less here and there. Yeah, because when I was, you know, a little younger, I did play a lot. I still didn't play a lot than a lot of other people, but I did play a lot, and I do play a lot. Um, but it's it's just I just I mean I I still love it, so it's not that I regret. It's nice. To, yeah, I'm I'm happy. I wouldn't say I, like I, don't, to, I, don't, I, like, I wouldn't change. I like anything. talking to you about that. It's nice. It makes me excited to to still be DJing. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, okay, so. If it was all over, well, first of all, we're gonna so we're gonna pretend. If it's all over and you have an after party, who's your favorite DJ? I could probably pick any random guy playing shit from I don't know because it's like you know you don't have a favorite. <laughs> it's it's a really tough question. It's a great question, um, but yeah, I would go really random with just someone who can play some. 80s and 70s music maybe okay and like that a, could be you know a friend so he doesn't have a name or she doesn't have a name just no a, i i couldn't like I couldn't a bar name, dj yeah a bar dj or some like maybe yeah it could be some fucking anything yeah like maybe non-club music <laughs> dj <Okay. laughs> so you're after part so your after party is not club music you know you're i don't know yeah because like i don't get so excited i i'd rather listen to like you know a I don't know, a punk record or an 80s record or some fucking, I don't know, like Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Like that would make me happier at my after party. Like whoever. I forgot to warn you about this when I gave you the questions. So if you don't have an answer, but at your last party ever, I'm going to give you a free VIP pass that you can invite anyone in the world alive or dead to come to your party. Yeah, I mean, I I have to talk to Prince for sure. Yes, yeah. Yeah. it's a great, it's crazy. I mean, I have, he gets I have every... so many questions, <laughs> and he he's gonna be in the booth, by the way. Oh, incredible! I stood one time really close to him. That was so exciting. But uh, where? I was playing in L.A. and he he's done these um, a concert at the Roosevelt. I think it was like oh nine or ten or something like that. Uh, ten, and. Um, I knew that and it was like one of these exclusive like 300 guests and he would play eight hours, you know, every night. He's a fucking crazy guy. And and I came back from my gig at 2.30 a.m., you know, party start really early, uh, stop really early over there. And so I got back and he was still playing. And I asked the bouncer, because everything was empty in the lobby. I was like, can I check it out? And he's like, yeah, you can go up the balcony. And I walked up the, the balcony looking down into the theater. The same time he was walking up alone, but on the, uh, the the stairs next to it. So he stood like maybe like 10 meters next to me, small guy, you know, in this like crazy weird dress. That was the closest I can get. But yeah, I would ask him so many things. And um, 
I mean, there are a few, you know. No, but no, stick to Pr- Prince's. Prince's classic. I mean, you know, you can add David Bowie. You can add yeah. so many other people. You well, know, David. But I think it's what's so beautiful. What's such a nice thing about Prince is it's just so incredible. You talk to people, all different types of people, everyone, and they still say Prince. Like, yeah, it's so cool. Yeah, um, that's great. Uh, what do you think you would do if there was no more DJing? I mean, I tell you, it's over, and you, I would that feel is bad. So sad. That's. I see. I feel bad. I yeah, feel I don't bad. know what I'd do in my life. But what would you do? I mean, you have to. Obviously, it's not your choice. But can I still DJ? No. That. <laughs> what kind of? Are you stupid? No. The, the whole, what do you not? End, what if not I DJ la- with non-DJ equipment, like changing the radio channel at a part like? Oh, you're like a, a crazy private person. party. Yeah. Play okay. from tape. I'll let you do the radio. Any thing. any no, selection? I mean, for the for well, the. It, let me put it this way: mood. Is there is there has there ever been anything else you even for a, a minute thought you could do? Yeah, what? yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like I guess anything creative. Like maybe I would make. I don't know. I could see myself getting into maybe. I don't know, painting or uh, <laughs> making building modules painting um, really i don't know just yeah. i mean shit? painting just, yeah maybe painting okay yeah okay yeah. <laughs> i'll just pick up some oil and do some oil painting maybe i'll just like step on a thing and make a photo of it and call that art okay yeah maybe so I'll just something make a in the arts. photo of a toilet but definitely creative I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll choose the easy easy route, you know. Always. I mean, I can't. I just can't. I mean, I'm so, I'm so spoiled. Obviously, with being so happy with doing what we love, you know. Same for you and all our pals. But I was always the guy in a way trying to make it. I don't know, like make it around the normal shit. Like I can't just go in an office and sit there or something. So I would probably do something. Maybe I'll go and um, raise pigs or something like this. Or um, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> raise pigs, paint. Um, what is your closing record? Which is, you know, for DJs, uh, yeah, I mean, closing record is impossible. Sad, sad and for you especially, night. it's going to be a sad night. Um. I would pick um, Womack and Womack, Teardrops. Oof, bomb. You know, it's just one of these records that is complete in a way. Uh, we talked about it before where, you know, production, songwriting, vocal, lyrics, arrangement, everything is just 100. You know, it's a very special record. And... It's one of those records I can hear a million times over and over. I mean, there are a few more. Again, you know, it's it's it, it has some randomness picking it, but Teardrops, the title makes it perfect too. Then, for for uh, you. Yeah, it's very, very sad. And I think also what's beautiful, what's a good example about that song too is that it's still a party track, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. It's this beautiful, that's part of what great dance music is that it has everything you said and it's still uplifting in a weird yeah, way and just, yeah and it's it just makes you have fun and yeah it's it's that's that's so that's another thing we should try for our next music is fun. like no hold oh. on make sad music oh but it uplifts you like you know some of these like fleetwood mac records you put them on and it's like deep and sad yeah but you still feel the love and 
and you want to dance to it and you know forget about let's do it we got we got we can do it in a in 20 minutes i think we should um alex i want to say i mean first of all that went really well it's a great interview i think that's a perfect way to end because it's a beautiful song and i think it sums up so much of what we talked about and i also just want to say that only in a sweet way not in a not in a you know, I've watched you kind of grow up. I mean, I've watched you not grow up, but you know, it's been a long time. I've been friends. And I think everybody who knows you thinks you're like a real, you're a straight shooter, you know, you're, and it's a, and it's a nice thing, you know, and it's, and it's nice to also hear somebody who is deep into their career and still obviously excited and curious and happy. So thank you for uh, being my guest. Always a pleasure, my friend. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Last 